Please remain standing and pray with me. Almighty God, in just a moment, we will come to plain old water and ask for you in your sovereign will and by the power of your Holy Spirit to act through plain old water to do something miraculous and, and wonderful among us this morning. We believe you're going to do that. And Lord, right now, though, we come to you as plain old people, a plain old preacher, a plain old congregation. And Lord, as we handle the word of God, we pray that you would do something miraculous and wonderful in us and through us, through the preaching, through the foolishness, foolishness of preaching, that you'd come and show up, Lord Jesus, and that you would receive glory because, because the preacher is plain and the people are plain, but you are wonderful and great. So come, Lord Jesus, now. Fill this place, as we've already prayed, with your glory. Fill these words with your power. And speak a word among us this day. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated, plain old people. <laughs> well, uh, Ben, aren't you supposed to be on vacation? I'm not missing this. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not missing this for nothing. I don't care where I was. I'm coming back to see this baby get baptized and to be a part of baby Wren's life. And I think that this passage, which we did not choose, but was chosen, you know, in the church's wisdom, I don't know when. Really, going back to the 1662 prayer book, I, probably is when at least this form of the lectionary began to be used. Uh, we are we're using a passage this morning, for, we're receiving a passage this morning from the New Testament, from the Gospel of Matthew, that seems to me to be particularly applicable to what's going to happen in just a moment for baby Wren and for her parents. Now, you need to, to kind of pay attention to what's happening in that passage of Scripture, though, because it's a little weird, at least it seems to be in our ears, our modern ears. In this passage, you see, we get a picture of Jesus seeming to be terribly unchristian. He's just acting unchristian, uh, doing it again. You know, Jesus has gone into notoriously pagan Gentile territory, evidently for the purpose of taking a vacation. So that's where I chose. I chose notorious pagans to be around uh, when I'm on mine. But no, seriously, Jesus evidently is in notoriously pagan Gentile territory for the purpose of resting from the increasingly frequent confrontations with the uh, Jewish religious establishment, the Jewish religious leadership. And while he's there... Who does he encounter in notoriously pagan Gentile areas? Well, notoriously pagan Gentiles. In fact, we're told there's a, this is a Canaanite woman. I don't think that, that's the only time I think that that word as a descriptor shows up in the New Testament. Certainly the only time in the Gospels that term is used. It kind of has an old-fashioned sound. Because it's supposed to remind us, listen, that these people, these Canaanites, are the people who had worshipped those those gods like Baal or Baal and Asherah, all those bad, evil gods that required human sacrifice and required uh, uh, unclean acts. These are the people who were at some point hostile to Israel in the ancient days. But evidently, some of these folks are not ignorant of the God of Israel and God's promise to send a Messiah or to send the Messiah. We know this because Jesus is accosted by a frantic Canaanite woman, a Gentile woman, who calls out to him using a specifically messianic title. 
son of David. That is a specific messianic title. Matthew chapter 15, verse 22, where we were reading this morning. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. And how does Jesus respond? Well, this is why I said it seemed like it's so unchristian. Because he just ghosts her. Isn't that a thing? You know, when you ghost somebody? Listen to what he says in Matthew uh, 15, 23. But he did not answer her a word. Talk to the hand. Didn't even speak to her. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she's crying out after us. So they're walking down the road, and this woman is calling after Jesus to save her daughter, and he doesn't even speak to her. But it even gets a little bit more incongruous. When he does speak to her, it's not in those soft, gentle, empathetic terms that we would love to hear on Jesus' lips. You know, that sweet Jesus we all want to see. No, this is what it says in Matthew chapter 15, beginning at verse 24. I hope you're following along. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Whoa! I mean, you can sugarcoat that all you want to by saying, oh, well, of course, you know, in the Greek, it is a diminutive term of dog, signifying a pet dog and not the dog of a street. Well, okay, but he still kind of called her a dog. <laughs> Nobody wants to be called that. Jesus is really playing against type here in this passage. Now, I want you to know, though, this is not the point of this sermon, but it is a point that really does need to be made in our current moment because Jesus really isn't playing against type. He really isn't acting uncharacteristically here. It only seems uncharacteristic because we really don't know our Bibles very well. We don't know the character of the God revealed in Scripture. Instead, we let our sentimentality rule over God's self-revelation. So we idolatrously fabricate an imaginary Jesus that personally suits us and would never hurt anybody's feelings. A Jesus that would never hurt my feelings. And brothers and sisters, that's just kind of narcissistic when we do that. It's holding God up to the judgment of our oh-so-fragile and yet oh-so-savage age. It's not the God of the Bible. Jesus is not playing against type. Let me tell you why he does and says the things we just heard. He is doing exactly, please, please, please attend, uh, attendez-vous. Uh, Mary's probably shaking her head, oh my gosh, that's just so wrong. Uh, but he's doing, he's doing exactly what Yahweh promised to do for Israel. In Jesus Christ, Israel's covenant-keeping God is demonstrating, here's why he's doing and saying those things he just did and said. He is demonstrating his faithfulness to his covenant with Israel. He's being very clear 
about his faithfulness to his promise. He comes to his people to, he comes to his people to save Israel. That's his mission. It was promised in Ezekiel chapter 34. This almost sounds exactly like what Jesus is saying. Ezekiel 34 beginning at verse 11. For thus says the Lord God, behold I I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. I've only come for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. Verse 15, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. Jesus is doing exactly what God promised in the Old Testament. Jesus had to fulfill this mission, this promised mission, and then be rejected and killed by the religious establishment and raised again so that God's plan of redemption could be expanded as we heard promised in Isaiah's text this morning, to foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, like me, Gentiles. He could expand it to include the Gentiles, not rejecting Israel, but by grafting us into Israel. God drew the circle wider. God drew the circle wider because Israel's rejection of Messiah allowed us to be brought in. That's exactly what Jesus said was going to happen through that parable of the great wedding banquet. I'm not going to read it all to you, but uh, you know, Luke chapter 14, you know, there are all these invited guests to the wedding banquet. Who does that represent? Well, obviously in the context of Luke 14, it represents Israel and Israel's leadership. He said, you know, they're the ones invited to the party. They're the ones God promised this covenant with. He invited them, and then when Messiah comes and says, okay, the party's starting now, the kingdom's breaking in now, all of a sudden everybody has an excuse, uh, I got to go, I, I just bought a car, and I want to go check it out. I just got married, and I really don't have time. And, and it says the master, of the, of the, uh, the master gets angry, and he, he tells his servants, go out and bring in the lame and the crippled and the blind. And, and they, they do, and they say, Lord, your house, still there's still room. And he says, then go into the highways and byways and compel them to come in so that my house may be full. And that's what's happening right here. Jesus is fulfilling God's promise in Ezekiel, and it leads ultimately ultimately to the inclusion of us, those who are far off. Faced with Jesus' declaration of his mission to fulfill God's promise to Israel, speaking to this woman and his disciples, what happened? Did this woman get her feelings hurt? Did she get triggered? Did she melt? No, this is a mama determined to see her child saved. She does not wither. Instead, and I love what she does, this feisty woman from Canaanite background, she takes Jesus' response and turns it around on him. Matthew chapter 15, listen to these words from 15, beginning verse 27. She said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Now, 
Here is the main point of this sermon. And here is where we close today. If Jesus answered the prayer of a desperate and determined mother who was not a part of God's covenant people, this prayer of a desperate and determined parent who was not a part of God's covenant people, not included yet in that promise, the mission to Israel had not been completed. If God will do that, why do we think that God would not answer the prayers of parents who are a part of God's new covenant people? If God will answer the prayer of a mama from a Baal-worshipping people who sees and recognizes in Jesus Christ the Savior of Israel and somehow the Savior of her and her daughter as well, and she casts herself at Jesus' feet and cries out to Him, Save my daughter. If He hears that cry, don't you think He will hear your parents for their children today. Isn't that good news? Isn't that wonderful news? Well, what about that daughter's faith? Didn't matter. Mama came. Mama came and called out, Save her, Jesus, and wouldn't stop bothering him till he did. This unclean Gentile from a people who had worshipped idols and who had been hostile to Israel throws herself at the feet of Messiah and begs him to save her baby girl from the power of darkness, and Jesus does. Chuck and Kelsey, you are bringing baby Wren to the waters of baptism, and in faith you are going to cry out to God to save this child in exactly the same way. If Jesus was faithful then... Don't you think he'll be faithful now? And isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? Man, some of us have got great big children <laughs> that we're throwing our feet, ourselves at the feet of Jesus and praying for today. I want to remind him of what he did for that Canaanite woman. Not a part of the covenant. Lord, I'm your, I'm your covenant child by grace now. Won't you do the same for me and my children? Save Wren from the evil one. Save her from this world that is hostile to God and in love with wickedness. And yes, Jesus, we know exactly who we are. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs from beneath thy table. But thou art the same Lord whose character is always, always, always to have mercy. Praise God. Praise God. We're not worthy. Let me tell you what, even the scraps from beneath your table are a better feast than anything we've ever experienced. Your scraps are greater mercy. We will burst in delight from the things that you offer us. Just as the scraps that fall from the table, we'll take it. We're not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs. But the good news is, because we have been grafted in through Christ's life, death, resurrection, ascension to the Father's right hand, he says, oh, no, no, you are mine. I just drew the circle larger. Foreigners who join themselves to my name, come in. I'll make a monument for you, a monument for you in my temple. Come and sit and dine with me at my table because you two are my children now. So, Jesus, we come in faith and cast ourselves at your feet and say, Son of David, have mercy and save baby Wren. 
Chuck and, Ke- Chuck and Kelsey, your faith in Jesus on behalf of Wren is a means of grace. Through our prayers this morning and through the water of baptism, God has promised to act on Wren's behalf. His saving grace will be poured out this morning. And until the day comes when Wren accepts for herself the gift that will be offered here in this font, we know that Jesus hears desperate, faith-filled prayers of moms and dads on behalf of their children, and he will act. As the church of Jesus Christ, we pledge, and we know, and I'm making a commitment not just for Christ Church, for wherever y'all land, you get straighten those people out, and that church, wherever it is, As the church of Jesus, we pledge to join you in relentlessly praying for Wren, teaching her the gospel, directing her to the Savior, so one day, one day, she will say what we have been praying for and saying in faith, Jesus, I love you. You are my Savior. I want to follow you all my days. Can't wait to see it happen. And Wren, if I'm still alive and kicking, I want to be there. When you say that at your confirmation or where you maybe go to that Christian camp or whenever it is, when, or maybe there's just never even a time where you can point to, but whenever it is, I want to hear those words come out of your mouth. Listen to me, Wren. Listen. <laughs> I love you, Jesus. I want to follow you all the days of my life. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.